Good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure uh, to be here this morning and have the opportunity to work with you as agents. My name is David Brooks. I'm a certified auctioneer. My core discipline is using the auction methodology to sell commercial and residential properties. And I want you to walk away from this class today uh, with two takeaways. Uh, the first is how the public can participate in an auction and their perception of auctions and what uh, is required to bid. So we're going to also go over some uh, auction definitions and terms. And then the second takeaway is how can you benefit by using the auction methodology in your business? This is meant to be an additional arrow in your quiver. It's not meant to take away anything, but it's meant to complement what you're doing in your business today. So with that being said, this class, what every broker and agent should know about auctions, let's go ahead and dive into how the public can participate in an auction and how they uh, can buy and sell properties. Once again, my name is David Brooks. I've been in real estate since 1987. Started uh, right out of high school and originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I started, uh, my father is my testimonial. He had a lot of rental properties and he just beat it in my head. Work for yourself, be self-employed, make your own path. He never told me to get into real estate, but growing up around rental properties and cutting the grass and painting houses and doing all that stuff, it was, it was a natural uh, path for me to follow. So uh, along the way, I became a broker at 24, uh, had an independent office, and then uh, Remax knocked on my door, had a Remax office. I grew that office to 40 agents, and um, I started looking around and was saying, you know, well, what can I do to start selling? And I decided to start calling the banks in 2001. So Countrywide, WAMU, Enemac Bank, AmeriQuest, um, on and on and on, all those names that don't exist today. So that's, that's what really got me, that's what led me to go into auctions. And so in 2008 in Grand Rapids, I started getting properties on this side of the state and um, I sent them back. I did that once. Second time they sent me a property, I said, wait a minute, <laughs> I need to not, you know, have another office. So I opened up an office in Novi uh, in 2010, started working down here. And then as the, as the sun started to set on the REO business, I was working with a HUD consultant. And she, said, she said, David, you should look at getting into the auction industry. And I researched it. Within 10 minutes, I was on a webinar, I was hooked. And so what I want to talk about is the mindset of buyers today. Uh, once again, there's been an explosion of auctions and the popularity. If everybody can't see this, um, I don't have a handout. We'll go through this real quick. But there's been an explosion of auction popularity in recent years. Online merchandise, auction sites, popular television shows. I'm sure many of you have your favorite. And I also want to say that... Uh, we have uh, several guests here. Uh, Ray, uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself, Ray Krukowski. He is a certified auctioneer. We actually graduated together, and if you want to say a few words. Um, okay. <laughs> I, uh, um, yeah, Ray Krukowski. Um, I'm, an auctioneer. I'm a freelance auctioneer here in Michigan, too. Um, I do personal property. I do, uh, I do some benefit auctions. Is this thing working? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I, uh, I, I also do real estate, too. 
And uh, me and Dave worked together. We actually went through the Certified Auctioneers Institute together, which is kind of your getting your master's in auctioneering and the education that's available. It was down in Indiana that we did that. We just finished that up this year here uh, in, in March. It was a three-year program we did. So um, I'm, I'm actively involved in uh, – I do personal property. I actually do storage auctions too, um, which is kind of my fun part of doing the stuff. I love doing storage auctions. It, you know, just like you see on TV on the, uh, the storage wars and that kind of thing, we do those kind of things there, and it's just it's – it's a fun gig to do. Um, and then, of course uh, – um, the real estate auctions is really the, the big part that, that myself, I, I go after, you know, and me and Dave have talked about that. You know, we've worked kind of worked together actually on a number of things through the beers here on and off. So, uh, I thought I, and I saw Dave doing the thing here. So I thought I'd come in and see what he's got going. So it's always good to see you, Dave. Yep. Thank you, Ray. And I'll introduce a few other um, guests that we have here throughout the class. And I'll tell you about some of the projects that we're working on, working on one with Charles, also working on one with Lori. And then we also have uh, another guest here from KW, is it Plymouth? Northville. No, Novi. All right, great. So uh, perhaps you'll have an opportunity to talk about um, your interaction with me and um, how you plan to use the auction method to increase um, uh, revenue in your business. Well, yeah, the volume, this is actually being recorded. So it's not, it's not meant to broadcast here. This is just for the podcast. So... Um, this, this is recorded. We'll make sure that uh, we'll email this to you. So if you uh, want to have a recap and kind of revisit it, uh, you'll have it. Um, one interesting thing is when you look at auctions, talking about how popular they become, they've really been popular here in the United States. Just a little history um, at the beginning. That's how things were bought and sold. It was all auction. You, you know, you went to the market. That's how you did it. Um, World War, the, you know, World War One, World War Two came and kind of changed how people bought and sold here. And then when, when a lot of the veterans came back from World War II, uh, and that's when NAR really started to take off, people started to buy houses, and the auction kind of became um, somewhat of a secondary uh, type of um, uh, option to purchase and buy. But now with, with technology, uh, it's been more and more common, uh, not just distressed properties, but uh, high-end homes, luxury homes, cele- you know, celebrity homes, uh, houses, those are have been very popular, um, and then as well, I I like to say that an auction is not for all properties. However, it can be for the penthouse, and sometimes it can be for the outhouse. So, um, lastly, just want to say that internationally, the auction method is very popular, and now here in the United States, it's become it's becoming more and more so here as well. When when buying and when, when buying real estate, the reason why you'd want to do an auction most of the time is to level the playing field. Uh, if you've got maybe a hard-to-sell property, there is a handout. Uh, the handouts that we have is the second uh, part of the class, so that's for the CE. Right now, this is um, looking at uh, auctions from a topical viewpoint, and then we're going to get into uh, the Con Ed portion of it just momentarily. Once again, if you want to have a level playing field, if you want to uh, let the market decide what a property would sell for, if you want to let everybody in, then an auction sometimes is very advantageous. Uh, you, you have transparency. It's an open, competitive bidding environment, meaning basically you let the buyers decide. Uh, there's no, 
no, no, no negotiation period. The, de- the date is set when you do an auction. So if we're going to auction a property uh, such as one that looks like I might be doing here with uh, a referral that I got from Charles, we'll have a September 15th date. Uh, and everybody knows this is the day that the uh, buyer will be declared um, the purchaser on this property. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, so there is a set date of sale. Uh, how about the opportunity? There's always a perception that there's going to be a great buy at an auction. So would you like to have the opportunity to get a good deal? Uh, also with auctions, it removes the seller from the negotiation process. You eliminate broker favoritism, and this is meant to be uh, complimentary. Once again, not to eliminate us in terms of what we do. You are still centric in the transaction. However, you're, you're, you're presenting an alternative method to the seller to say, you know what, let the buyers decide what the property is going to go for uh, versus me saying this is what it's going to sell for. If you really want to sell your property, that's what an auction is for. It's probably one of the most important things that I've, I've really learned. Just like with traditional listing, it's all about motivation. So an auction is for a seller who pretty much wants to sell, has to sell, and sees the benefit of selling it um, now uh, versus, you know, maybe waiting. Another overview of auctions versus a traditional sale, uh, just compare and contrast. uh, With the auction method, you have a known data sale. If you have a property that um, is listed, it may take a while. The process could could be maybe because it's overpriced. Uh, in an auction method, there are no buyer-seller negotiations. The buyer will bid it up versus a traditional method. Negotiations are often, sometimes, the reason why a deal could f- fall through. Open, fair bidding, no best uh, guest offers. If a buyer wants to bid on something in a competitive market and you're out there working with them, You've shown them five houses, and they've been outbid five times. How does that make you feel? It's like, well, the buyer thinks that you're doing something wrong. And it's like, well, what do I have to do to get this house? With an auction, a buyer will know exactly what he has to do to outbid um, the other person. Versus the traditional method, if you submit your offer, sometimes you don't, you may not even get any feedback. And of course, the one thing that just breaks everybody's heart is, well, then what did it sell for? Well, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. Well, what do you mean you can't tell me what it didn't sell for? Well, you have to wait until it closes. Well, I didn't know. I would have paid this much more. Well, how come you didn't pay that much more? Well, because, you know, now in hindsight, um, you know, as the saying goes, hindsight. So uh, a couple other um, points of differences. Bidders determine the fair market value, sometimes with a listing we all know that it can be priced um, unreasonably, um, and it's not realistic. So with an auction, it kind of lowers the threshold, and it lets everybody come in. Even though you know that that property may not sell for a certain price, buyer does their due diligence. They know what the, you know, what the market is. They decide. And so if you have an opening uh, bid at 100 and they know that everything's selling for 200 they have a pretty good idea that they're going to have to come in, you know, right around 200000 
Also in the auction method, buyers receive a comprehensive due diligence package. This is one of the most important things with an auction. The reason why a buyer may want to buy at an auction and the reason why a seller would want to sell is the as is, as is, where is. However, with as is, where is doesn't mean that you're buying it sight unseen. In an auction, whether it be live or online, there's a comprehensive bidder package that's put together. And what I encourage sellers to do is to do everything. Inspections, get the house pre-inspected. I have uh, certifications on the roof, have certifications on the furnace. Have everything certified throughout the house and you uh, present that to a buyer. So when they are at the auction or they're online, they're looking at, hey, this roof was just replaced in 2015. This furnace is updated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can even go a step further and encourage the seller to get an appraisal. So if the appraisal is going to be advantageous for where you are pricing that property, you can also have a um, have the appraisal available to the purchaser too. Or it could be an old appraisal. It could be um, an appraisal from 10 years ago to set, you know, the ceiling. You know, maybe it was high at that point. So maybe it was, uh, as we know, before we went into the recession, you know, it was it was overvalued. Well, we can go back and use that. Say, hey, you know what? This property at one point, it sold for X amount. So they're looking at that. And then lastly, a home warranty. You can also put a home warranty in your due diligence package. So you know, as a buyer, when you bid on this property, the house has been pre-inspected. You've, you've done your due diligence. You looked at the market. And in addition, you get a home warranty. So why would you not want to bid on this? After walking through the house, you've seen it and you know what you're getting. So th- that's the biggest difference. Conversely, the seller, the seller likes the as-is clause as well because maybe there are defects that are um, very obvious with this property. It works well from that standpoint too. Uh, so you want to disclose everything. If there is a problem with the property, disclose it. Disclose, disclose, disclose. There's nothing wrong with that. And you can turn that into an advantage if you know that now this property is priced, you know, to sell at the auction and people say, well, I can come in and I can get the cat urine up. I can do this. I can do that. So let the buyers, you know, beware. You tell them what's what needs to be improved, um, you know, what's wrong. Disclose it. And then that also gives them confidence as well. Uh, the buyer, you know, when they're bidding, it's like, well, what is it that I'm not, uh, you know, seeing? Am I missing something? No, they have everything. The seller likes it, of course, because then when he looks at the bids, it's sold, as is, um, no inspections. Everything's provided up front. It's the biggest difference versus a traditional method, uh, sometimes very rarely, is detailed information available in the process. So uh, if, if I can back up to title work, uh, a survey, all that stuff. And I know that on the traditional side, that can be provided as well. But you and I both know that sometimes there's title issues that come up. An auction company will not take a property to the auction if there is a title defect. It will be removed and it will you will not be able to bid on it. So everything has been uh, put together in a comprehensive manner where you have peace of mind when you're bidding on a property. And then uh, lastly, the set closing date. There's a set closing date in the terms and conditions when you uh, go to an auction, uh, whether it's live or if it's online, uh, in order for you to get your 
bid number, your bidder's number, you have to be pre-qualified, and you also have to agree to the terms and conditions. So you'll hear terms and conditions, terms and conditions, terms and conditions. It's one of the most important things in an auction so you understand what's required when you are the high bidder and what's, what, what's required for you to participate in this auction. Um, that is stressed, and you sign it either electronically or in writing. So you know that the closing is going to be in 15 days if it's a cash sale. You know that the closing is going to be in 30 days if it's going to be for financing. Um, And that information would be there. You know what? If I can encourage you to uh, hold your questions because then I can bring the mic to you. So uh, we've got maybe just a few more minutes to go through the slide. But, yeah, write write down your questions, and then I'll pass the mic um, at the end of this PowerPoint presentation. Virtually all types of real estate can be auctioned, single-family, multifamilies, commercial, luxury homes, uh, condos, uh, particularly commercial properties do very well in an auction, and so do luxury homes. Uh, land, agricultural, uh, businesses, you can sell the inventory, you can sell it without the inventory. Virtually all types of real estate can be auctioned. Here's some examples of properties uh, that I have been a part of when I've been with different companies. And then here locally, uh, although I wasn't involved in uh, Art Van's sale, there was an auctioneer that did sell that property. And you may have uh, heard that about a couple years ago when he auctioned his property. So a lot of different examples from commercial to residential. What types of auctions will I encounter? I'm going to spend about a minute on this and kind of um, talk about the three types. There's an absolute auction that is the buyer will be declared the bidder at the end of the auction regardless of price. So it's no reserve, no minimum, absolute. Minimum bid is is a very good technique too if you have a property that you know is hot. Multiple offers. So the minimum bid, the seller is in a good equity position, et cetera, et cetera, and it would lend itself maybe to a minimum bid. The minimum is going to be below market. Sometimes it can be 30, 50%, maybe even 80% below market. So although the properties are selling for 100, uh, you might have an opening bid or a minimum bid of let's say 30 or $40,000, knowing good and well that it's going to be driven up. So minimum bids work well when you know that you've got several offers uh, already coming. And then lastly, an auction with an undisclosed reserve. This is your happy medium. This is where you have an opening bid, not a minimum bid. The opening bid in a reserve auction, the seller is not obligated to accept that opening bid. A suggested opening bid is just that. The suggested opening bid on this auction is going to be $30,000. Only the auctioneer, the seller, and the broker would know what the seller's absolute bottom line is. So it's undisclosed reserve. It's not advertised. And then when the auction begins, the the buyers will bid the property up. And then at the end of the auction, the seller has the right of confirmation. So an auction reserve is synonymous with subject to seller confirmation. So terms and conditions, terms and conditions, go back to the terms and conditions. What type of auction is this? You have to know what type of auction it is when you are participating as a buyer or when you are participating um, as a buyer, uh, as a buyer or as an agent. So let's take a look a little bit more once again in the uh, absolute auction. Highest bid wins, 
minimum minimum bid. Uh, the bidding begins at a minimum. That seller is obligated to take that minimum bid, though. That's the difference. Minimum bid is advertised. So here's a minimum bid. If you come in at 50 and nobody else comes in, you got it. And then the undisclosed reserve is where the uh, bottom line, there's no price bottom line disclosed. So a reserve auction typically could be on a million-dollar house, but the opening bid could be 250 So the opening bid is 250 and what that does is there was a study with eBay, and um, actually, if you even start lower, it's going to have a perception of value because you've got more people bidding on a product. So if you've got, let's just say, two cameras um, side by side, same features. Let's say you have two cameras side by side, same features, and same value, no difference. But on the one camera, you have an opening bid of a dollar, and the other camera, you have an opening bid of $50. Let's say the auction is the same time, same day. Well, you're looking at this, and you're wondering, well, what's the difference with, with the camera? It's the same thing. But on the auction with the $50 opening bid, you've got five people bidding on it, and people are like at 52, 53, 55. But on the one camera with the opening bid of a dollar, you've got 50 people there. You're like, well, this one must be a better deal. <laughs> it's the same thing. But opening, opening bid is, is, is critical uh, when we are, uh, that's, that's part of your strategy. Um, it is designed to get everybody to look at this auction. And the idea is we'd rather open lower because we'll get more people coming in. And then the perception of value is created. And what happens is they come back and then they look at other cameras. They come back and they look at other similar uh, name brands. They come back and then they find out all the details. Well, now guess what? They've invested how much time into this particular camera. It's the same thing, but they've spent more time on that particular camera versus the other one that started at 50. So the whole idea is opening bid. Yes, it's low, but it's designed to get the buyers to do the due diligence. All right. So, uh, moving on, uh, the types of auctions that you will encounter. Uh, we talked about the three uh, types of methods that are used. You have uh, your absolute auction, your minimum uh, bid auction, and then your reserve. The type of auctions that you'll walk into are going to be a live in-person event, which is one that we do have coming up here uh, in uh, Bloomfield Hills, it looks like in September. And then... You can also have an online component as well. It can be online only. You may have seen online bidding only. That's it. So no, there's no live component. Or you can have a combination of the two where it's live, a hybrid, and then you have bidders coming in by proxy. They could be in California. They could be in Australia never in, in, and not there. And then at the site, uh, there's a coordination where Live, where the live bids and also the proxy bids are put together, and then electronically it's distributed to uh, the absentee bidders. They know what the live uh, auction is doing, and then likewise, uh, everybody at the live auction typically has a screen, and you can see the internet bids that, as they come in. So this is the best of both worlds. Live in-person event, uh, I want to kind of quickly go through um, some of the differences, 
registration typically is going to happen on site when you uh, are interested in that property, uh, even though you may call and you may talk and you may get information before you bid, uh, you will be required to um, give the cashier uh, your check, your certified earnest money deposit, uh, your prequalification uh, letters and things like that. In order to get a bidder number, that's what's going to happen at a live auction. Uh, on an online only event, uh, you still get prequalified, uh, but it would be through the internet. So you may be required to uh, wire money, uh, and it has to sit in the account before you get your bidder n- number. You have to also send in your prequalification or your pre approval, and then you'll get a bidder number. And then with a live, on uh, with a hybrid live and online, it could be a combination of the two. So question and answer. Uh, I think what I'll do is um, instead of going over the slides, I'll open it up to you, and then we'll dive into uh, the second part of the class. Any questions? Lori Rouse. Lori is an agent uh, in Birmingham. She's uh, in the KW Domain Office. Uh, We have an auction that we're booking in Bloomfield Hills. So one of the questions that I haven't gotten an answer on yet is if the set time, say, is four weeks and the highest bid does not meet the reserve, which is basically the price point of what the seller is willing to go down to, can you extend the time frame or is it just a loss if the seller does not agree to the highest bid? under her reserve price point? Great question. So the answer to that is qualification, qualification, pricing, pricing. So we want to make sure when we book an auction that it's going to sell. Is it guaranteed? Yes, if you do an absolute auction, that property is going to sell the day of the auction. So that eliminates that possibility from happening. If it's a minimum bid and an auction, and if the bid is met, then same thing, the property sells. However, most auctions are going to be your reserve. So undisclosed, you don't know what the price, the public doesn't know what the price is going to be. And what happens is, as Lori is saying, well, we want to make sure that the seller confirms the sale at the end of the auction. What happens? Well, a couple things. Let's say the auction ends and the reserve was not met. So the auctioneer gets on the phone, auction company says, congratulations to the bidder. You are the high bidder. However, we cannot confirm the sale. You beat out five people. However, the reserve was not met. Let me ask you this. Although you were the high bidder, what would you have been willing to bid at the auction continued? So th- there is a post-auction period. Immediately, if the property is not confirmed, then it goes into a little post-auction period. Uh, we, we get on the phone with the top bidder, and then we pretty much go down the list. But we start with the one who uh, is a high bidder. Sometimes you'll be amazed. It's like, well, you know what? I would have bid uh, 200000 but the auction stopped at 170 The reserve was 180 So just $10,000 more, they could have met it. So you're on the phone with the buyer, and you say, buyer, you would have gone 200000 Okay, well, let me get on the phone and see if the seller would take that, right? So, of course, you get on the phone. Of course, you know that if it was 180 
you can sell it. So sometimes it works out to be advantageous that way. Sometimes the bids might call, you know, they might be way off. Then we've got some, we've got some work to do. So the negotiation period starts, and we pretty much say first come, first serve basis. Call all your bidders. We did not confirm the sale. Um, and if the seller authorizes you to share their bottom line at that point, you can share the bottom line. First come, first serve. You hit this number, you got it. And buyers who have that second remorse or, or you know, who have that, that buyer's remorse, and they're like, wow, you know what, I'll go ahead and do it. So sometimes we'll get a sale in the post-auction uh, period. If it doesn't sell, then normally, once again, going back to the qualification period, is so critical to set up an auction for success. We don't know what it's going to sell for. The seller doesn't know. This is the purpose of the auction. So in the event that it, it doesn't meet the reserve, then at that point, um, you have pre- we've pretty much exhausted all of our resources. Um, if we have all the buyers... Uh, and they're saying that they won't come up, then the only, op- uh, the only other o- uh, option is to look at putting it back out there at a different period of time. So okay, part two. Part two. A <laughs> uh, high bidder meets the reserve but needs a mortgage, and the home doesn't appraise. Then what? If the home doesn't appraise, great question, in your terms and conditions, goes back to your terms and conditions, what happens? Well, the buyer is obligated. There's, there's no contingency. So the buyer needs to know that they're going to come in with the difference, just like in a traditional okay. you know, setting. So as is, where is, you can get financing, with no, but there's no contingency. Once again, do your due diligence, so you have to be prepared. So the buyer should be able and willing and know that they have to pay the difference. Yep. All right. Was that uh, in, any other questions? All right. All right. So now, now the fun part of the class is how do you make money, <laughs> right? So how can you participate in an auction, whether it be from a buyer's perspective or if you have a buyer client? Um, but more importantly, I'm, I'm a listing agent, and I know probably the majority of us here are listing agents. So let's talk about how you can participate in an auction. A couple, a couple opportunities uh, one scenario is, well, let's look at the process first. Uh, everybody has a pretty good understanding of what the auction process is. It's an intense, accelerated real estate marketing period involving open, public, competitive bidding. That's page one on the handout there. So if you are a listing agent, why would you want to take a property to auction? You have it listed, or maybe it's not listed yet. Does it make sense? Every property is not a good auction candidate. So there's a, there's a qualification process. When you are in your listing appointment, you want to you, you be listening for keywords and key phrases, buzzwords. Would this make sense you know, to put in an auction? So analyze the property. Most of the time, it's the only thing that you analyze, but really, you do the, the qualification is the seller. The seller is the seller, the seller. So, you really want to analyze it's about the seller more than the property. Because we all know that, I mean, real estate is it's, it, it's not an infinite amount of real estate. So, we know that it's going to sell, but we don't know what price. But is the seller willing to 
allow it to go at today's market price. That's the key. Well, what happens if it doesn't sell? Are you willing to take this amount? Are you willing to let the buyers decide what it's going to go for? So analyzing the seller as well as analyzing the market, if someone comes to you and they say, well, I want to have a million dollars on this property and you know that the market's only, you know, saying 800, then just like a traditional listing, you know that it's upside down. Even more so with an auction, an auctioneer, a good auctioneer is not going to take that property. Most of the time, we want to have a spread. There has to be about a 25% spread between what the market is going to sell for or what will will allow that property to, to be sold at and uh, where the seller is in terms of the reserve. So there has to be some cushion. There has to be a spread. Conduct your research. You want to make sure that just like with any listing, you have all your tax information. Uh, but take a, taking things a little bit further, even though as an agent you don't have, we don't have the duty to dis, to inspect. With an auction, you really want to encourage as much information as possible. So you want to get everything that you know about this property because this is going to go into the due diligence package. The more, the better. The more information, buyers will be at ease. And you know what? I um, don't see Tim Pascarelli. I, I, I want to say Tim. Uh, with Ross Mortgage, I failed to mention that he is the preferred, one of our preferred lenders. So if you do have an auction property, uh, we are going to have uh, Tim, as well as other mortgage companies, provide qualifications um, and go through that process. So I just wanted to say that uh, about Tim since they are sponsoring this class. When you also are sitting down with the seller, you want to determine the type of auction, the terms and conditions. This is one of the nice things about the auction process, once again, is the seller, when you are sitting down with the seller and you say, you hear all these keywords, must sell, absentee, uh, inherited property, uh, financial stress because I have two mortgage payments and I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired, deadline, I have to get this sold, maybe deteriorating health that that's probably a real, real big, huge thing. You, you know, seller needs their money. Uh, so that could be another uh, factor as well. Uh, they need to be, in a, you know, maybe in a different um, setting. It could be uh, just the fact that they need a different, um, type of, a different type of house or hospice or something. So determining the type of auction, the terms and conditions, once again, the seller, when you're sitting down with the seller and you say, seller, how would you like to be able to set the date that you will sell this property. That's one thing that sellers really want to hear. If they know that this property is going to sell at a certain date, then you can say, would you consider an auction? So if you're saying that you need to have this sold by a certain time, how would you like to be able to set the date of your sale? Okay, great. In addition to that, how would you like to be able to not worry about the negotiation process and let the market decide? If they're auction-minded, they're going to be—they're going to gravitate to you know towards those types of uh, benefits, and then lastly, and we'll talk about this terms and conditions. The seller gets to create the terms and conditions, meaning probably one of the biggest differences with an auction is the seller does not pay for the commission. So you say, Mister Mister Mrs. Seller, how would you like to be able to sell the house and not even have to pay me? Well, what do you mean? Well, I can sell your home, and you don't have to pay the commission. Who pays for the commission? In the terms and conditions, 
This is something that the buyer agrees to when they're looking at accepting um, the registration and they sign off on it. They understand that the final sale price is high bid plus a premium. And many of you may have participated, maybe just even buying things online. You know that when you buy something, there's a premium. So what is the premium in an auction? Typically, it's, it can vary. So make sure that you are reading what the buyer's premium is. It could be 5%, 10%. That's typically the range, 5 to 10%. Most of the time, the sellers do not pay for an auction, but you can't have a combination where the seller will pay for a commission and then the buyer pays a portion of it, but it still reduces the seller's obligation. But most of the time, for simplicity and for the fact that you want the buyer to decide what they're willing to pay, they know, hey, if I pay, if, 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 if I go 100000 and that's a high bid, then I know that if it's a 10% premium, my sell price on the contract is going to be 110 With that being said, I kind of want to interject... Um, how that affects you as the listing agent. That's the beauty of having the premium. Uh, most of the time, if you participate, if you participate in an auction with me, then we split that premium. So, if you are the listing agent and you have it co-listed, and then we partner up, that ten percent is five to you and five to me you can actually walk away with more. Uh, and then in addition to that, you're potentially saving the seller some money. So that's the difference with an auction. Now, the seller does have skin in the game. You know, there's no, nothing is going to happen for free. But the difference with an auction is seller doesn't pay the commission. What do they pay for? Anybody, can anybody, th marketing. Seller pays for marketing. So, aha, now the seller has skin in the game, and you put together a comprehensive, detailed marketing schedule. We're going to go with a particular property. We're going to go into Wall Street Journal. We're going to go into Cranes. We're going to go into the um, maybe Homes and Land. If it's a waterfront property, we can also make sure that we're targeting waterfront buyers. Uh, if it's a high-end home and it's going to appeal to executives. We're going to go to Dun & Bradstreet. We're going to work with Hoover's. Hoover's has a program where you can actually pull data, and it is very, very slick, right down to demographic information. So now when we have our marketing pieces and we have our email and SEO campaigns, we know that we want to target this audience. So we share that with the sellers. Seller has skin in the game. They pay for the marketing. That is paid in advance with most auctions. Um, even with an absolute auction, they may typically pay in advance. Sometimes with an absolute, uh, it, it'll, it will come out of proceeds. But the seller pays for the marketing in advance. If you want to really see how good of an agent you are, get a check <laughs> before you sell this property. But it's like, well, gee, nobody's going to do that. Well, you know what? Yeah, they do. If they want to sell this property, they're hiring you as, an, as the consummate professional. We're an ad agency. We're a marketing agency. I mean, I mean, we are marketeers. That's our profession. So if you ask, you'll receive it.
The beauty of it is if they don't give you the check and if they have the money, maybe sometimes they don't, but even sometimes they don't have the money, they'll come up with it if they want to sell the property. That's the difference. So now you've got a seller who's committed to the sale of this property. It's one of the reasons why buyers like auctions because they know this is going to sell. So you have the highly motivated seller. They've got skin in the game. They want it sold. The buyer knows that. And if we can get one or two additional bidders off of that investment, it makes all the difference in the world with the auction. So um, key differences uh, with an auction versus traditional. Uh, let's, um, we're still on the first page. We talked about developing and, and scheduling the marketing strategy. That's the marketing and sales period. The seller determines when they want to sell. We typically like to have four to six weeks or eight weeks where all the marketing is going out to our target audience. And we're doing a drip campaign, and it gets more aggressive towards the end prior to the auction. What we're doing is we're building um, the enthusiasm. We're uh, creating urgency. We want them to know this is the date. We also want to know... We also want to inform the buyers, hey, we have three pre-auction open houses. You can walk through this property before you bid on it. So you, you have the opportunity to bring your inspector, um, you know, your family, anybody that you want to get input on, uh, you know, from, bring them through that property. So the, the M&S period is the key in an auction. Uh, during that time period, we're pre-qualifying uh, bidders. We're getting financial information. Uh, they know what the terms and conditions are, et cetera, et cetera. And then the auction day strategy, uh, they know exactly what is uh, required, where they have to go, what time the auction opens, and what time it closes. So auction happens, and we have a high bid, and uh, we close it. The advantages, why would somebody want to do an auction? Seller stays in control if you've got a seller who is auction-minded, and they're absolutely uh, saying that they want to determine, you know, a lot, you know, the terms in the auction, that's one of the biggest advantages. Seller is control. They, they, they create the terms and condition. You have a definite date of sale. It's timed. We have a marketing uh, time frame where everything goes out, uh, pre-auction open houses, and it stops. That's it. Then the day of auction. So it's not endless. The marketing and sales period is not um, forever. True market value, fair market value. On the day of the auction, if we've done a good enough job, this is what we're supposed to do. This property is going to receive bids. We can't guarantee that it's going to sell, but our job, our number one job is to make sure that everybody knows about this property. We want to make sure that we got good terms, we have a good strategy, we have a good opening bid, that we have a good marketing campaign. So that's, that's our job is to get everybody there, uh, to get excited about this property, to create urgency, and to know that this is the day that uh, it's going to sell. The other advantages that uh, we talked about, buyer pays for the commissions, and can't stress enough that the seller sets the terms and conditions. The difference is, with an auction versus traditional. We talked about that as well. The basic differences are centered on the contingencies, as is, where is, uh, with all faults, buyer beware, everything's disclosed up front, 
uh, what the seller does know. And then the buyer also does his inspections prior to bidding on the property. Along with financing, they know exactly what is required and uh, no negotiating. They know that whatever they pay and, hey, if they can go 100 and they get it for 100, then if they're declared the high bidder, uh, then uh, they'll uh, walk away with the property. Another thing, too, what's nice about going with an auction is you have that date of sale. So it's not open-ended if you have a seller that has multiple mortgages. So taxes, maybe there's a tax bill coming up. Maybe there's an assessment. Maybe they're in a condo and they find out um, that they have to pay $10,000 next year. Whatever it might be, they know it's like, wait a minute, I don't want to do that. I don't want to pay for the street coming in or whatever. So you're really cutting off, you know, let's say your losses. Could be that someone owns the property, they've tried to sell it for three years too, which is very common. You can actually have a time frame where you can cut your uh, holding cost and hopefully make um, money. All right. So let's talk about selecting properties. This is where I kind of want you to really look at it and say, how do I become involved in an auction? I'm working uh, with Steve Cateros. We're going to provide what's called an accelerated listing addendum, and it will be uh, on dot loop. So if you have someone that has a property, let's say it's, don't, don't let your property expire. If you know that you've done everything on this property uh, and it hasn't sold and, and maybe it's reasonably priced and maybe you're miffed, you've done everything that you're supposed to do, don't let it expire, you could be proactive and say, you know, have you considered it an auction? Knowing that their circumstances is such where they have to sell the property, but for whatever reason, it's not moving. Every month, there's going to be an auction schedule. So it will also be out either on the calendar or in dot loop, and you'll be able to see when we have a scheduled auction. So like clockwork, you can submit, you can talk, be talking to your sellers and say, would you consider an auction? If it's unique, even before it gets listed, if you have let's say, a celebrity house. You know, if you're working with someone, uh, Miguel Cabrera, that would have been a good example when he put his house on the market in Birmingham. Now, even though perhaps he wasn't auction-minded, maybe he was. Maybe, maybe it just wasn't presented to him as an opportunity. But this is where you can start saying, aha, that has some type of significant value, some type of intrinsic value that says, dang, that would be a good auction property. Who wouldn't want to come and see, you know, what type of house Miguel Cabrera lives in? And so uh, does he need more money? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does. Uh, probably in this case, of course, we know he didn't. But, um, so, but there's a lot of different uh, reasons why he may want to auction. Maybe he got traded. <laughs> Maybe he's, he's in Oakland now. House is back here. Well, why would he want that property to sit there just open-ended? Create an auction. That's a good scenario. Uh, another thing is the strong equity position. You have to select your property. You wouldn't want a house, a commercial building or whatever, if it's encumbered with you know, $150,000 uh, of debt and the market is saying one hundred and seventy-five. dollars then that's not going to be an auction property. You need to have a uh, wider variance and a bigger spread. 
uh, vacant property, vacant land, also do very well with auctions, uh, all types of properties. Sometimes the most difficult properties or the most unique properties are the best properties or historically significant properties. Uh, how about your property that is a diamond in the rough? Someone started this project and it's in Birmingham or it's in Royal Oak or it could be uh, Indian Village and they ran out of money. But the potential is still there. Seller has their money invested into the property. That also would be a good candidate. If you can price it competitively, competitively, instead of finishing that property, sell it as is and let somebody else just kind of pick up and get a good deal. Next page. We talked about the properties, qualifying the property. Most often, that's the only thing that people look at. You're going to spend more time qualifying the seller. So if you are with a seller that has high carrying cost and they're being crushed by debt, this is a good potential candidate. If they're auction-minded, if they have have participated in auctions, if they bought at auctions, if they've, you know, if they under, if, if uh, it's free and clear, if they're retiring, if they're relocating, if they're liquidating an estate, needs cash, needs cash pretty much fast and now. Expired listings, you could really, this is, this is something that I've done quite well with on commercial properties. If you want to prospect expired listings, and if you've seen that it's been on the market time and time and time again, then you may want to approach that opportunity and say, have you considered an auction? Or instead of letting your property expire, if you know that you've got a good rapport with the seller and you don't want to see it expire and they're auction, they're open to an auction, that would be another good opportunity. If quite often receivers, court-appointed receivers, uh, if there's a dissolution in a, in a business or a marriage, if there's a breakup, any type of breakup, typically there's an abrupt change. So if you want to kind of target market something, expires. If you want to target market attorneys, if you want to target market court-appointed receivers, if you want to target market people who are getting a divorce and they you know, are in a certain uh, equity position and they need it's, – it's a set date, uh, once again, good opportunity to have um, uh, an auction. Healthcare requirements is probably one of the biggest reasons, too, that you know, a lot of people are changing lifestyles with the baby boomers. Um, financial problems that might go hand-in-hand hand with health issues. And then lastly, if the seller wants – a property to sell and they know that it's going to bring fair market value, then an auction would lend itself well as well. So how can you actually become involved with KW auctions, learning the process, the advantages and the disadvantages as it relates to the competition? There's, there's um, a saying that uh, if, if you've listened to a lot of people, it's like find out what everybody else is doing and then go do the opposite. <laughs> so if you want to do something different, that's our, our business is so competitive. It was like selling REO properties. Nobody wanted to sell REO. It's like, are you kidding me? I'd rather, you know, 
take somebody out, show a house, nice house. Why would I want to sell a bank owned property? You know, in 2000, early on. But then 2008 hit, everybody wanted to be, you know, do REOs. But guess what? You didn't get as much. But early on, when if you were an REO agent, you got it all. Literally, you could knock on the door and it would open. So if you sit down in a listing presentation and you say, you know what? Have you considered an auction? How many people do you think are presenting that? No, none, almost zero. So be different and bring it up. That's how you can maybe have that opportunity. And some people will get it. Some people love it. Some people will hate it. Some people will consider it and say that makes sense. And they may choose you um, over somebody else. Even if they don't go with the auction, they may list it traditionally with you. But the fact that you present it, your job is to present them with every option possible. So it'd be interesting. It'd be like, let's say you put a property on the market and it didn't sell. Or let's say it did sell. And but seller had multiple offers or whatever. Let's just say they felt like they weren't represented. Like I could have got more money and they find out, you know what? How come you didn't present that auction opportunity to me? How come you didn't tell me that I could have auctioned my property? Well, I don't know. Well, guess what? You don't know what you don't know. So thanks for coming and listening to the auction uh, strategy. If you have any questions, um, I do want to just kind of wrap up uh, Call me if you want to sit down and do an auction. Uh, make sure that you do your homework on it. And just like any traditional listing, you're going to do all your due diligence, have your package together, um, prepare your package. I can help you in that presentation, uh, or you can maybe refer it to me, however you like to do. I, I can also give you a referral fee uh, for, for the property if you want to co-list it, I love co-listing. It works very well. You keep the listing. I do the auction. Now, my, my uh, contact, uh, my cell is 248-499-0620. Or you can email me, davidbrooks at kwcommercial.com. 248- Four nine nine zero six two zero, David B. Uh, I'm sorry, David Brooks at KW Commercial. All right. So, the last page, in a nutshell, what is an auction? It's an, it's an, it's an accelerated strategy. The steps in qualifying a property, the process is so critical. Most of your work is done. In the, in the pre-qualification period. If you spend more time pre-qualifying your seller, you are setting up this property for success. So the steps, make sure that you get all the information, you do your analysis. Uh, if you want to bring the auctioneer in, if you want to bring me in, we can talk about strategy, we can talk about terms, we put together a marketing plan for that client. Seller sets the terms and conditions. And we're off. So thanks for attending. I want to get uh, some type of survey out to you because I do intend to do this class again tomorrow 
in Clarkston at Andy Amos with Michigan Real Estate Masterminds uh, at 1130 uh, on uh, tomorrow, which is the 27th, July 27th. I'm doing this class again. And it's also, once again, uh, it's approved with the state of Michigan for certified con ed. So I would like to take this out, create a roadshow. So if there's anything that I can do better, um, I'd, I'd like to know. Any uh, questions or thoughts, comments as we close? What is the estimated seller's cost that they contribute for the marketing? Nationally, anywhere between 1% to 3% of whatever the projected sell, sell price is, the asset's value. There's normally a minimum, sometimes lower-end properties, therefore may not be the best candidates. So 2500 1500 you can barely do a good campaign. So if you have a low-end property um, and it's uh, an inherited property and it's going to be $15,000, then on that type of scenario, there'd be a $1,500 marketing fee. That's my program. And the seller would pay for a commission in that scenario. That scenario, seller pays for a portion of the commission and the buyer also pays a buyer's premium because the price point is so low. Uh, once we get over $50,000, then the uh, commission changes. Then we can work on a, a buyer's premium. And with a $50,000 property, depending on where it is, it could be anywhere between $1,500 to $2,500 that the seller would pay for. Once we get over $100,000, then that's when you start beefing up your campaign. If it's a million dollars, it's going to be even more. So, But it's, 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 it's all... Relevant. It's, it's, it's related to the assets value. So a million-dollar house, you're going to want to have a $10,000 marketing campaign. Yes. So either you can list the house for a million dollars, put it in MLS, put it on Zillow, put it on Trulia, and, you know, you're putting it out there, send out some brochures, et cetera, et cetera. Then if it sells, if it sells, then the seller pays, what, a 6% commission. So they're paying $60,000. So $10,000 versus 60. Put it into the marketing. You know, a business-minded seller loves that because it's like, I know exactly what you're going to do to market my property. You're out on a listing presentation. Everybody's saying, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You have a very scheduled plan. You say, guess what? You just pay for the marketing and then uh, you don't pay for the commission. So uh, with that being said, too, there's a sliding scale where if you are a listing broker, and let's say it's a million-dollar listing, their marketing contribution is $10,000. You have a buyer's premium of, let's say, 5%. You can also work it back where you say, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, if we get over 500000 then I can rebate a point back to you. So, they, so the money that they have invested, they get it back. And that's also a win-win too. It's like, wait a minute, I have to invest money into this property. Yeah, it, it's a business. This is this is a business-minded, you know, transaction. It's, it, it's it's logical. It's not emotional. So you're going to put money into your asset. You're going to advertise it. You're going to you know we're going to market it. We're going to tell you exactly where it's going, and then you get to participate in the success. So you put the money up front. You get it back. And then once again, this goes back to the qualification. If there's a property that you think is not going to sell, I've turned down 
auction listings. So it's better to turn it down than to book it. Although it's nice to still be able to have a property that you are marketing with the seller's money and you get your name out there, but it's better to say, you know, no, I don't want it. I don't want the property. I don't think it's going to sell. You're at, you know, what you want for a reserve is too high. So it's better for me to say no. And of course, as this, as it goes, guess what? They're calling you back and say, you know what? <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and lower my reserve. What's the lowest that you think that I should have? I say, okay, well, you know what? If you, uh, do a hundred instead of 150, then we'll, you know, we'll go ahead and book the auction. So does that answer your question? I know that probably was a long, um, answer. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yep. One more. If you could say your name. My name is Shirley Shaver. The question I have is, can you give us some examples of your past marketing tools, that you've used for properties, maybe over a hundred thousand dollars. Yes. And on here, I can, I can open up my computer, but I won't do that. A good example is, um, a gas station auction that I had with Atlas oil. There were six uh, gas stations. We took those, properties and they varied some some stations were open and they uh were actually operational we shared the gross receipts um the convenience store sales uh the additional income then there also were properties that were vacant that they didn't atlas didn't want to reopen the you know the uh, location so those fell under 100 so uh in that case for a commercial property what we did Probably the best example is we went to other gas station owners, not only just in that area, but we also used Dunn and Bradstreet with Hoover's. And we took the SIC code, the SIC code, for for that industry. And we went to petroleum brokers. We went to gas station owners. We also went to MAPA convenience stores because maybe that convenience stores, uh, that, that convenience store owner would want to have a gas station. And we also went to Subway and franchises. So as you see, the combination where, hey, you know, we can put a Subway in here. So that's part of the campaign. And I can tell you beyond almost a shadow of a doubt, us as being marketers, I don't know anybody else is doing that. Um, that's the difference with the auction. There's just so much accountability because you're handling the seller's money. It's an investment. So that would be probably one of the best examples. Another example would be, uh, if you have to leave, I know we're uh, perhaps a little over, but another example uh, would be um, a waterfront property. So if it's a waterfront uh, house, then we would want to maybe market this to snowbirds. And then we would want to go to a certain age groups category. Maybe it lends itself where somebody would want to be here in Michigan. So we would drop that property in Florida. And if I can back up to the gas station auction, that SIC code pulls up a lot of information. You can whittle it down to maybe different types of franchises or whatever. But um, in this particular case with the gas station, 
we not only went to Michigan, but not only Michigan, but we also dropped it in Toronto as well. Uh, and in addition to Toronto, we went to um, the rest of the United States. So there were 5,000 brochures that went specifically to petroleum brokers, gas station owners, and it was very targeted. And that pesky brochure that no one, you know, maybe uses it, that works. It's probably one of the best things. And you will also get more opportunities, just like when you market a property, you get more sellers who come in off of that as well. So that's is it, very specific and very targeted. Uh, does, does that answer your question? Okay. Another question. Hi, my name is Dave Capaferi. Um, if you're working on behalf of the buyer and uh, the terms and conditions aren't necessarily what the seller wants, but he's still a qualified buyer, say it's cash, but I have to close in 60 days because I have an inheritance coming. Um, any change, but he's a qualified person. How would you get that offer across if it's only going to be to the highest and best offer on the day of the auction? First of all, the buyer would have to accept the terms and conditions in order to get a bidder number. If that was the case, the buyer would have to borrow the money. He'd have to get some type of loan, uh, some type of interim-type financing to get that inheritance. There, there's no exceptions. Exactly. doesn't fit that time frame. So if a buyer wants something bad enough, and all of us, if we want it, you know, we'll find a way. If there is an inheritance, I mean, there's companies that they can go to, but, but maybe that question is more about the terms and conditions. Can you negotiate the terms and conditions? Prior to the auction, no. It's set in stone, set in stone. And this is what levels the playing field for everybody. That's the difference between traditional. Because then when you look at the offers, it's like, well, which one do you want? Well, we'll go with this one because it says this. We'll go with this one because it says that. So although that may be advantageous for the seller, um, for an auction-minded seller, once they create the terms and conditions, it's set. Now, if they're the high bid and the contract is signed and their circumstances change, then the buyer needs to know that those are still the terms. Is it possible that they can maybe ask for additional, you know, maybe additional 15 or 30 days? Yes. And then they could put that into the contract if the seller agreed to it. Any other thoughts? Where do, when you sell a house, where do they actually sell at fair market value? I mean, are they usually higher, lower? I mean, I've done auctions in the past and you don't typically get good deals. And it's. Okay. Just for the sake of time, your question is. Where what's the experience and where will the property end up? Typically, it can be higher if if it's if the auction company did a good job. If it's a good property, that's really the point that you want to drive the price up in an auction. Comes down to terms, though, too. Sometimes weird things happen, like at a live auction. Uh, let's say it's um, something that you are looking at, and let's just Traverse City, west side of the state. And you want this property, it's on Grand Traverse Bay. Um, you know, you've gone there, 
you know the area, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's a live auction. You're on your way to the auction, and there's a severe thunderstorm. <laughs> you don't make it to the auction. So, so sometimes, you know, and that auction will still go on. So it really depends on who shows up the day of the auction. That's going to determine what the property is going to sell for. So sometimes you can get a good deal, but that's the reason why people like to go to an auction. Um, but it can, it can go either way. Yep. And if there aren't any other questions, uh, I will wrap up. It's been a pleasure to have the opportunity to present this to you. This is the first time that I've done it here at in um, Cuttle Williams Royal Oak. I would like to do it again. So if there is an opportunity for us to work together, um, I do have a property that was referred to me from Charles Ryan and then also Lori Rausch, KW Domain, Birmingham. So uh, it's really a blessing to be here. Any referrals that you send to me, we work together as a team. And once again, I'm just an additional alternative strategy, but please use me even if we don't get the property. You know, um, put this in your listing presentation. This is really, I'm a listing agent. So if you want to use this as a way to get your foot in the door, this has opened up so many opportunities, not just locally, but regionally as well. And my ultimate goal is, is to uh, be partners with as many KW agents as possible. Yep. Th thanks for your time.